All right. Well, good afternoon, everybody. We appreciate you joining us as always. I'm Corey Worden. I'm the current administrator for the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty. And today you're listening to the Healthy Podcast. We have a fantastic episode today. It's going to be a really interesting, unique episode. So over the last, you know, infinite amount of years, of course, there's always been this kind of um, kind of enigma around what it takes to get a doctorate degree, whether it's a, a PhD or a doctor of public health or a doctor of business administration or any number of, of doctoral degrees. And until you, it's kind of like basic training in the military, you know, until you kind of start going down that path, it's difficult to really explain what that's like, you know, partially because it's extremely difficult and partially because there's just there's so much to explain that sometimes it's it's hard to articulate but we get a lot of questions about that and i know that's of interest to a lot of people who would like to go down that road and so we thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to talk about it today so what we've done is with a lot of our different partners and a lot of the people that we're colleagues with we've been able to assemble just a fantastic panel today so we're going to talk about just that we're going to talk about what the doctorate program looks like from the coursework and the program structure to the actual uh, courses themselves and the residencies and the comprehensive exams and then of course the dissertation process and we'll talk about it from several different perspectives we've got the perspective of the actual bona fide legit doctors uh, then we've got those those of us like myself who um, at the, at the dissertation process, which my, my situation is a little bit different, but uh, we can talk about that later. Um, and then, of course, um, we have we have people that are in the coursework phase and everything. So it's it's a it's a long, arduous journey. And we're going to we're going to talk about that today. So we're going to go ahead and get right into that. But before we do, let's hear from everybody on the panel. So um, why don't we start? I'm just going to I'm going to pull a name at random. Uh, why don't we start with Dr. Hunter? Do you want to give us a quick intro, please? Good afternoon. Um, it's nice to be with you all today. Um, Pamela Hunter, um, my background is occupational safety. My undergraduate and graduate degrees were from University of New Haven. I'm a certified safety professional, and I my doctoral journey was with Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and my degree is in safety sciences. Nice to be here. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, those of you that are listening, you may recall Dr. Hunter from her webinar that she did with us uh, back in 20. Oh, goodness, I guess it was 2021. They all blur together now with the the seasons, especially during the pandemic. But uh, she did a great webinar on her dissertation, actually, on workplace violence in, in healthcare facilities. So that was great. Glad to have you back. Um, how about um, how about Dr. Prasad? Hey everyone, uh, pleasure to be here all with y'all. My name is Eric Rasad. I'm a doctor of public health with a concentration in environmental and occupational health sciences. And I primarily work as a contractor for the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences worker training program. My focus has been on evaluating and researching training programs related to preparing workers for emergencies and disasters and other hazardous workplaces. That's great. Thank you. Uh, def definitely important work. We appreciate that. All right. Awesome. 
Uh, how about Dr. Reed? How are you doing today? Hello, everyone. Is it echoing? Okay. It is? Oh, sorry. Hold on. Okay, how was that? All right. Um, okay, great. All right. Um, good afternoon or good evening, everyone. Regarding um, my introduction, uh, yes, my name is Patricia Reed. I finished um, my PhD in December 2020. So I um, completed it at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I have my um, bachelor's in chemistry, my bachelor's of science in chemistry. I have my master's in civil and environmental engineering. And I work um, at Honeywell as an EHS leader um, or EHS engineer. Um, and my specialty there is um, working in the training department and health and safety management systems. I have my CSP, um, been uh, designated for over 10, I don't know, 15 years with my CSP. And um, I previously held a role in the um, Gulf Coast chapter as the president. Um, during that time, I uh, was also a SPY recipient. The next year, and I'm a member currently of um, ASSP uh, WISE. Um, board or executive committee, and I've been a founding member of that and also past founding member of VICE and um, served in numerous roles within VICE. So thank you for having me here today. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, definitely a, a pro prolific career, a lot of accomplishments. That, that's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Cool. And uh, Dr. Mitchell, how about yourself? How are you doing? Good, Corey. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Amber Mitchell. I um, have a, well, I started actually with my undergraduate from Binghamton University, which is a state university of New York. Got my master's in public health at George Washington University. Started my PhD at Johns Hopkins and I fell in love with a Texan. So I moved to Houston and finished up my doctorate at University of Texas School of Public Health in Houston. Um, I'm actually an occupational infection preventionist, so I work mostly on protecting healthcare workers um, from injury and illness. And I currently work with Dr. Prasad at NIEHS for the worker training program uh, as their COVID expert. And I have several other uh, federal government contracts. I also run a nonprofit called the International Safety Center. So I think I would say I'm a true gig economist, um, which is pretty unique for somebody with a uh, doctorate. So I love to bring that perspective kind of as an entrepreneur to the panel. That's great, thank you. Thank you. And again, those, uh, those of you listening, you, you, you uh, probably remember Dr. Mitchell she did a, a webinar with us back in the uh, excuse me the fall where we were talking about the the COVID-19 standards and, and regulations that were in play and then she also did a fantastic webinar back in 2020 where we talked about uh, needle stick and sharps injury prevention 
So she's definitely um, done a lot of, lot of great work and we, we appreciate that. All right, cool. And uh, Dr. Straub, how about yourself? Corey, I'm blessed every day. Thanks for letting me join you. Uh, my name is Fred Straub. I'm based here in uh, South Central Pennsylvania. I'm a three-time graduate of Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I had the blessing to go through their first cohort that they uh, ran through there. Uh, 37 years as a risk management consultant. I'm also a, a sole proprietor of my consulting firm. And I wasn't the oldest person in the cohort, but I was close to the oldest person. So I had that perspective to bring to the table. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great, great careers. All right, cool. Um, let's see. How about um, we got Stephen Guillory over at the Public Sector Practice Specialty and Embodies. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you, Corey? Um, trying to stay warm, as, as I'm sure you are. So, Stephen Guillory, I am the safety program manager for the city of Houston. I've uh, been in this role for roughly three years now. Prior to that, I was the safety operations manager. Um, have my master's degree from East Carolina University in occupational safety. Um, bachelor's degree uh, from at that time, it was University of Southwestern Louisiana. Now it's UL Lafayette, University of Louisiana. Uh, in environmental policy and management with a concentration in industrial technology and safety. That's how I got into the safety uh, arena. Um, as far as uh, PhD goes, I am proud to be a, a member of the first cohort of Indiana University of Pennsylvania's uh, esteemed PhD program. As far as my status goes, um, I submitted my uh, dissertation last week to my chair. Uh, we went through it, making some minor adjustments. Uh, the timeline for me to defend is early March. Hopefully uh, that'll go well and I'll become a doctor. But until then, I am not quite there yet. <laughs> oh, and, and I know this is a, a ASSP event, so I am the administrator of the public sector practice specialty, as well as the mentorship chair um, designated by Mr. Crystal Turner-Moffitt before she left us uh, for our vice, Black and Safety Excellence. That's great. Yeah, thank you. De yeah, definitely a lot of great work there. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what you're referring to there as far as the, the dissertation process and and the defense and everything, we'll, we'll certainly talk about all that. So that, that's fantastic, thank you. All right, cool. Um, Marina Brock, how about yourself? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Very impressed with the other panel members. It's like, you know, my dream jobs. Um, I um, was late starting in my um, PhD program. I have an undergraduate at Simmons, was Simmons College when I went at Simmons University now in Boston. Um, in uh, environmental economics, bio, biology, and chemistry, and uh, went on to get a master's degree much later in life. I worked for 30 years for a regional health department on Cape Cod, which is uh, Cape and Islands Environmental Health and Safety. Um, I went on to get a master's degree in um, occupational health and safety engineering, and now I'm getting um, a doctorate or PhD um, in uh, Emergency management and physical security uh, from in uh, I'm sorry I want to say Indiana because that's a, such a great school but I actually 
um, am doing it at Capital Technology University because it's online. I'm a professor, um, basically an instructor, but assistant professor at Massachusetts Maritime Academy in with, uh, Buzzards Bay. And I teach in the emergency management and health and safety and environmental uh, program, basically. Um, uh, Dr. Prasad, I, you know, I listened to him and it's like, that's exactly, I've never met anyone that does everything that I do, you know, because it's such a blend, like a hybrid of, you know, but it's really needed. And so um, that's what I'm doing right now is I, I teach full time. Um, and I am getting the PhD. I'm also a consultant for the regional entity of Cape Cod in environmental health and occupational health and safety for the public sector. I am honored to be with Stephen in the uh, public sector uh, service uh, committee, basically, just started a, a couple, about a year ago. Um, and public sector has very interesting needs in health and safety so especially in massachusetts where they're basically third world so um it is a challenge so you have no idea yes you do probably have an idea but it's it's uh, horrendous so anyway that's what i'm doing and i'm so excited to hear everything that you guys are doing too but i am integrating emergency management and my thesis i mean sorry my dissertation is in um local government because i've worked in local government for about 35 years and it is looking at um, public health capacities and first responder capacities at local government uh, and um, looking at impediments to, there's a lot of silos, looking at how the competencies and capacities that are needed at local government levels and public health. And what COVID showed us is, you know, we really are very poor. So we're not doing very well with that. So that's all. And I'm happy to talk later too, but thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you being here. Uh, definitely a lot, a lot of great work there. And and we also, of course, as always, appreciate what you do with the uh, public sector practice specialty. All right, awesome. And um, uh, Crystal Turner Moffitt, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Corey. Um, yes, I'm Crystal Turner Moffitt. I am a certified safety professional, um, safety management specialist, and um, construction health and safety technician. Um, I am an expert in construction and environmental occupational health and safety in the construction realm and um, leadership and possibility coach. I'm a trainer, author, a speaker, panelist, and just a professional consultant. I have my own uh, consulting business called CDT EHS Consulting for 15 years now. And I also have um, in a role of a new role at Brown and Caldwell as a construction safety officer in um, Connecticut on a, a wastewater treatment and also in New York City on some health and safety sites. So that's that's keeping me really busy. Um, in addition to my consultant role with um, CDT, I have something called the Safety Divas Academy where I teach health and safety and um, um, health and safety courses and construction safety courses. And I'm actually partnering with a youth group in Queens providing um, safety training for youth that wanna go into the construction field and get them certified. And I'm really, you know, safety is my passion. I'm a PhD candidate currently at uh, Capital Technology University, and um, I have my Master of Science in Occupational um, Health and Safety uh, from Hunter College, and uh, a Bioterrorism Preparedness Certificate from Hunter College, and I got my BA in Psychology from Wesleyan University. And um, yeah, I've just enjoyed being um, part of ASSP. I'm past president of the Hudson River Valley chapter, and um, uh, past administrator of buys, 
you know, got my tutelage under, you know, Patricia Reed and um, just enjoyed that and, uh, and uh, um, passed by winter as well uh, with uh, Wise and um, just have been reading uh, leadership articles for ASSP on the power of mentorship and women in leadership roles. And I've actually gotten a scholarship since I've been a PhD student from the uh, Greater Boston Chapter Leadership Award winner and um, Region 8 scholarship. Outstanding. That's fantastic. We appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, just uh, just listening to everybody today, I'm I'm taking notes because I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna contact you all offline so we can do a full full episode just on each of, each of y'all's careers. Uh, it's all fantastic. So we appreciate y'all being here. All right. Um, and uh, um, Elgin Avila, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, so my name is Elgin Avila. I'm currently a PhD candidate at the University of Minnesota in their industrial hygiene uh, program. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I have a bachelor's in uh, psychology and biology from Eastern Michigan University. Um, I also went to George Washington University, so fellow alum with Amber Mitchell here, Dr. Mitchell, excuse me. Um, and uh, originally I started my PhD at the University of Arizona. Uh, transitioned over to the University of Minnesota, so I could, um, uh, you know, develop the, my skills in uh, industrial hygiene. So, um, very fortunate to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on this panel with uh, some distinguished folks. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. That's definitely done a lot of great work. Um, yeah, yeah, outstanding. Just always awesome to hear about everybody. All right, cool. And uh, Dr. Whitlock, how are you doing? Hey, greetings, everyone. Happy Friday. Pleasure to be here. Uh, my my current position, I'm a senior advisor in industrial hygiene. I work for EFI Global, uh, just environmental health, industrial hygiene, helping clients uh, with, with their needs worldwide. Uh, I'm also very proud to report I'm a first-generation college graduate, put myself to school. Um, uh, BS, environmental science, uh, MBA in finance, uh, CBRNE uh, graduate certificate, and finally PhD safety sciences, IUP, as, as we've talked about the first cohort there and uh, Indiana PA. Uh, also another interesting note, uh, uh, 15 years teaching EHS related courses at Wright State University in their environmental health program as well. Cool. Yeah, outstanding. That's great. I appreciate you being here. All right, cool. Well, as everybody can can certainly hear at this point, you know, just a, a fantastic panel, a prolific, long, extinct, di distinguished, <laughs> not extinguished, distinguished careers. Uh, fantastic. So we're glad you're all here. We appreciate that. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into it now. So we're talking about the doctoral journey, which um, on a good day means writing about 30 pages a week uh, on a on a not so good day you know writing a dissertation with endless iterations so we're going to get into all the fine points of that um we're going to start at the beginning so um first things first you know just to even get into it there's the question of what program to go into there's like we talked about earlier there's you know there's a assortment of different phd programs there's 
different programs for uh, public health. There's programs for business administration. There, there's just a, a number of different options and it, it can be overwhelming. There's online programs, there's in-person programs, there's hybrid programs. And so it's, it's a lot to think about there. So let's talk about that first. Um, I know we got a lot here from the, um, from the IUP program. Um, so if y'all want to kind of pick a representative, um, if y'all want to kind of give a breakdown of, of the program that y'all went through and, and how that's organized and what it's all about, we appreciate that. Go ahead, Brad. Okay, Corey, this is, this is Fred Straub. Uh, somehow everybody pointed to me, not really sure why. Uh, I'm graduate by Indiana University of Pennsylvania, first cohort, and I believe Dr. Reed was in the second cohort, so there might be some changes there. Uh, as Dr. Whitlock pointed out, um, our tuition helped pay for the new dorms that Dr. Reed got to stay in. Uh, we're glad to hear that. Um, it was basically what, what folks, about a two-year program, uh, a hybrid. We had uh, about two online courses each semester, which uh, was, was brutal if uh, you're not used to that. Uh, then we were actually in person over the summers. I believe that was two summers uh, where we were there for two, three summers. Thank you. We started, that's right. Thank you, Dr. Hunter. We started with uh, a summer and then we had two more summers after that. Uh, those were two weeks in duration, uh, a class each week. And being a, yeah, that's the kind of learner I am. So I enjoyed those more than the, than the online. Um, the third summer we were there was really focused on uh, getting that dissertation together, getting it started. Um, now, I can't speak for, for the others here uh, that went to IUP, but during the dissertation process, we're usually uh, left adrift. Uh, we're, we're, we're back at our homes, back at our businesses, trying to, to live and get the dissertation written. And I. I can't speak for everybody else, but just about every month, I was going back to the university for two or three days just to stay immersed in that culture, and and it worked uh, very well, very well for me. Uh, any any additions? Uh, those in the cohort, cohort, please jump in. Fred, I just want to. Um, I I think it's a good point, the dissertation process, because that's what this is all about. I wasn't close enough to go back. And the one thing, and I loved our program. I, I loved it. I learned a lot. I thought it was great. Not having a background in the dissertation process and not being able to go face to face with people was for me a harder challenge and it made it longer. And um, the phrase, I didn't know what I didn't know is really true. And I would encourage people as they go into this process, to learn as much as they can about dissertation and as they go into a program ask a lot of questions i agree i i hope i'm not echoey again um to okay to the point of fred and um everyone else who's already spoken i would say the third summer we were um, doing a lot of things within Vivo and EndNote and doing library field trips and writing center field trips, I had suggested to the powers that be that that should have been the second summer. 
because the third summer you are literally, you know, some people came and they already knew what they were going to do their dissertation on, what they were going to write about. They had data already collected. And the others, some of us, we were just um, clueless. We were like, okay, what do you mean? You know, if, because if you didn't do a traditional, my master's um, program was at Tufts in Boston, and it was a capstone. So we did lit reviews and things like that. But if you didn't do a, a traditional thesis for your master's program, getting into a dissertation was a little bit different. <laughs> um, and you weren't going to, and Pam is shaking her head, and so is Stephen. You weren't going to grab all that in a summer one week class of the doctoral colloquium. So I and a few others suggested this should have been the second summer. Um, definitely on campus. Uh, definitely the field trips were good, but this way we could have went away. We could have started our writing. We could have started thinking about our topics. But literally, we, we were kind of at a stalemate with a few people just sitting there like, I don't know, this whole week, what are we doing? And, and people were just throwing out ideas and topics and seeing if it worked and getting their committee together. And then we do another field trip to the writing center. But that could have probably been done the second summer. So if you're coming into the IUP program, I don't know how it's done now, but our First summer was 2015, the second was 2016, and the third was 2017. I think we've, we could have had more done and more success rates and more advanced completion if we would have switched the two summer sessions. And I think they're doing that now. Um, and also the other, is it good, is it bad, was the comprehensive exams. Um, it was literally a reiteration of everything we learned in class. Um, it was a good exercise, but doing that, I, I think that could have been kind of wavered. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was not really a, um, I don't, I don't think it was a, a, a good exercise. Uh, we came equipped with, you know, suitcases full of books and notes and, you know, and I was that one student who my thumb drive crashed. So <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is what you provided me and it crashed. So luckily I was the one who was printing out everything I could as and sitting in the, the lab next to the IH lab at IUP and I was printing it and reviewing it. So I had a lot of notes, but I would say just um, expect the unexpected. Um, and I say all that to say, when you go into a program, whoever's thinking of going into a program, um, inquire, inquire, hey, how many years have you been doing this? What were some of the success rates? Um, what would you do differently? Um, what support can we expect when we're off site? What support can we expect when we're on site? Um, another thing, I got my RTAF approved February, uh, 2020 and you know it was like rushing and Stephen will know COVID started March so it was like as soon as I got my IRB my RTAF it was like I rushed to get my data collected in a six-week period because I couldn't be near anyone to so I would say if you have um, availability 
of the staff or the um, instructors or the professors, find out what worked and what didn't work and, and what were some of the challenges that they saw from previous uh, cohorts or sessions and, and what would they do different? Because it kind of seemed like it was an excellent program, but we were still ironing out some things. That's my take. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, thank you all. All right. Um, that's I great. Gonna, oh, I was going to ask you if I can jump in and just talk about like how I actually looked at IUP, looked at CapTech U, looked at some other, you know, um, other uh, doctoral programs and um, some of the challenges that, that I, you know, spoken to Steven, spoke with Patricia, you know, some of the challenges they faced. And um, what had me choose CapTech U was the they have the European model of the dissertation. And since I had had a master's degree, but it had been a long time um, in between um, applying and, and uh, gaining admission into the PhD program, um, they actually um, suggested that I do the MS PhD research methods courses, which allowed me to, is allowing me, because I'm in my second year now, um, to take courses on how to collect data, what is a qualitative versus quantitative methodology, you know, how to do your hypothesis and write your papers. I had done a thesis at Hunter, but it was a long time since I had been in school. So it allowed me to have that time, and it's allowed me to have that time to develop my writing skills, develop, you know, my research skills, how to do a literature search and how to do all that before I actually transition to occupational safety and health risk, which is where I want to do my concentration. So I think that that um, what is what had me make that choice um, and not having to do coursework per se, um, because I have a master's in, in a safety field, but actually just to be developing what it needs to take for me to um, develop my dissertation topic. That's fantastic. Now, great, great feedback. Um, and you actually read my mind. That's what I was gonna. I was gonna say is um, <clears throat> any any uh, any feedback from different different programs, different schools. Um, what are what are some some other experiences? What are some other thoughts? What do y'all think? Anybody's welcome to jump in. Me again. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> If you are, and Pamela's shaking her head, if you're doing your your of study on your job and you're uh, you know you're collecting data from your current workplace, expect that hey, things happen, and you know I was a part of a riff, and then I lost a committee member. Yeah, so it was uh, a lot of. Uh, I would say factor in timing, factor in timing for yourself, your family, and also timing for the unexpected. Um, when we lost Professor Paschold, I had to get everything re-signed all over again. I had to go back and, and that was when it was a paper RTAF and I had to go back and now it's online and I had to, you know, get another committee member and then I had to do the IRB all over again with new signatures. So. I would say just make sure you you are um, there's a book I had that said it very well that every day you should do at least 30 minutes to an hour and I agree I I, I would not have um, finished had I not had all of the I guess I think those hiccups were a blessing for me <laughs> because I was like okay I got to get this done this is 
this is just too much that has happened. So I'm like, okay, I changed jobs once on my accord. I changed jobs the second time at no fault of my own. And then I lost the committee member. So I said, okay, I got to get this going. So I think um, planning to factor in um, once you have your foot on the pedal to keep moving forward and, um, uh, you know, try to, to get as much as you can when you are face to face on those campus sessions. And if you are at a brick and mortar or if you're online, um, I'm in Houston. I'm not close enough to have went to campus, but um, surely, you know, getting the phone calls in has definitely been a plus. So I would say factor in a lot of time for uh, things that could possibly happen, may happen. <laughs> Pam, do you agree? I do. And, you know, the other thing, um, life happened too. So, so when you think about it, when you're starting that process, you said it exactly. You don't factor in um, the things that may happen with your family or, or just life. So you have to look at that in the process itself. There's things um, probably ahead, but I'll just say a quick line of it. When I chose my original topic, I wouldn't have had a database for my research. And when, you, when you're learning about how to do this, that's as important as liking the topic. And when I ultimately came up with my topic and this great database, the, the two were, oh, okay, I have, I, I, have a, I have a group of candidates that I can, I can easily poll. But you don't realize in the beginning how important the one is to the other because you can't do research without having a, and you you have to understand also that if you're going to do a quantitative study you need x many more the, the pandemic i was actually i was actually polling registered nurses and i was going into my quantitative research in the spring of the pandemic and Thank heavens there was a huge database. So <laughs> yep, some similar definitely some things. Yep, yeah, a lot of variables for sure. Um yeah. Uh, before we get into the next segment, that's actually in, uh, interesting, the things that y'all just mentioned. Um, I, I'm not going to say a whole lot about myself, but that's actually two big things that I can attest to myself is number one is with the with the program. What I would recommend is to uh, check with the school as far as the historical, we'll say, relevance of the program and how they see it going forward. Because that's the one thing that I hit is the the program got discontinued, um, and that's a long story. But that's the big thing there is the program got discontinued, and so that is an enormous variable creates a lot of situations. Um, and like y'all were saying, there is um, life happens. You know that was the other thing is I when I was going you know going straight ahead on it and um, did not did not expect to end up uh, with a chronic illness. We'll just say that. Um, and that that's again throws a pretty big curveball at you. So y'all are y'all are definitely resonating with me on those two things and and everything else you said. So a lot of great feedback there. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the next topic here. And um, 
definitely um, interested in hearing about um, all the all the different programs as well. So I know there's there's um, several panelists we haven't heard from yet. Um, so let's get into the coursework. So I know we talked about the program structure and the the uh, residencies and the the way that things segue from the courses to the comps to the dissertation. What are the actual types of courses that y'all took? Like I know in my case we did. There was a lot of statistics. Um, there was a lot of there was actually a lot of stuff about nonprofit management as far as um, there was a class about you know writing grants, um, all all different kinds of stuff in there. Um, what were some of the types of classes that y'all took? Um, Dr. Mitchell, let's start with you this time. Corey, I was so scared you were going to start with me. I started my courses in 2007. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, health and safety management. I took biostatistics four times because I failed each time. So I took that a lot. Um, occupational injury prevention. I would say um, leading back into what you were saying about during research about a program that frustrated me. I went in already as a corporate person making a lot of money. So going back into school was difficult with my husband to manage our finances. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to have a full ride. I was a NIOSH Education and Research Center trainee in their Occupational Injury Prevention Program, but the stipend was $17,000 a year. So working half-time at the university and going full-time for school, it was a real financial struggle. I was lucky enough to have a partner that helped me um, financially so that I could pursue that. And the coursework, you know, going back after being a seasoned safety professional kind of felt like I was just ticking boxes and I wasn't really learning anything new or different other than biostatistics, which I had to take four times. Um, so I think that's another important thing if you're exploring getting a doctorate in anything is that if you don't wanna be challenged, you can pick a doctorate you know, in your field, but if you really do wanna be challenged, you might wanna pick courses or might wanna work with your committee to choose some courses that are outside of your specialty area so that you can really make yourself a more well-rounded, more seasoned public health professional if public health is where you choose to go. Um, because the coursework really just felt very rote. It felt very prescriptive. And I feel like as a student paying for, for, for a degree that you have, you need to advocate for yourself to select classes that may be in different departments or even within different schools. So I went to UT School of Public Health here in Houston and they had no safety classes. So I actually, even though the degree was in occupational environmental health, so I had to take safety classes at University of Houston downtown. And that might've been one of my best experiences because there were people from Shell and Exxon um, that had a lot of field experience that they didn't have um, at my university. So the best advice I could give to anybody exploring this avenue is to advocate for yourself, to make yourself have the experience that you're paying for or that somebody else is paying for so that you can come out a better professional, a better person, a better advocate for workers if you go into worker safety. In my case, it's healthcare workers. So advocating for better healthcare um, is also just really important beyond, beyond the regular coursework. Great, yeah, definitely uh, important feedback. Um, that's awesome. Um, Marina, we haven't heard from you yet. What do you think about that as far as the coursework? Um, 
the program I chose, um, and I, I have to be honest with you, um, part of my motivation to do a PhD is um, to achieve tenure at the university. And so our university is very, um, is very good about the, it's a four-year college, state college. Again, maritime structure, but people tend to think maritime only means maritime. But quite frankly, at this point, maritime represents only uh, probably a third of the student population. <clears throat> and uh, my major, which is emergency management and marine science and environmental protection, occupational health and safety, represents more than half of the students there now. So most of our students will never be on a boat will never be a maritimer from that standpoint. So they get a four-year college degree. And we place a lot of our students, EM and MSSEP, into the safety field. So um, I already had 35 years of, of uh, public health and environmental health and occupational health and safety um, uh, already, you know, already going into this program. And, and so, um, the reason I chose Capital Technology University is because it's all online. I am comfortable with online courses. Um, I'm comfortable with um, with the pace of it. They were actually really good in uh, what I want to say transferring in credits before because I had done a lot of research credits in my undergraduate degree. And so um, qualitative and quantitative analysis, uh, statistics and things of that nature. But I do agree with Dr. Mitchell um, because this field that we are in, in fact, everybody, most everybody that's spoken, um, it involves a huge amount of range. And that's part of my dissertation work right now is that if you're doing research on a federal level in emergency management and public health, even prior to COVID, there was a lot, there was a lot of awareness that, um, that it wasn't, it wasn't jiving. I won't get into the, the it wasn't jiving at all. And, and even how they said DHS, HS, uh, Department of Homeland Security up, um, they kind of cut out um, any kinds of prevention from the public health capacity prevention, but it's a long, you know, it's a long dissertation. But um, but anyway, so uh, I love the coursework. I actually love the research. Um, uh, I love that I still work in the local government. I still have a contract with where I used to work uh, to continue my work that I worked with. So I still get to work with um, uh, local government on and state government for that matter too, and regional government too. So I get my research from my work. Someone told me once that was um, uh, that was a very well respected doctorate that I I knew, and she said, you know. Um, get your PhD in something that you're already doing and that you already love and uh, and then get the range in there. Um, I didn't tell you also that I'm uh, I work on a, on the federal level for EPA. Um, and so the Environmental Protection Agency, um, I've worked in the GAC, which is a government advisory committee um, for uh, the United States. Mexico and Canadian trade agreement it used to be the old NAFTA. So for six years I've been on the committee and now I'm the chairman. And we are now looking at that range permeate on a federal level with extreme events. So they're looking at disasters and extreme events in the context of the environment. So I even see the range going on a federal level. It just can't be silos. You can't be just public health or emergency management or environmental health because the world is just too complex at this point. Everything overlaps. And, and that actually is one of the things I'm doing with my PhD is I want to bring that kind of dimension of range into the undergraduate level too. Um, because I think the undergraduates need to, especially in 
they need to understand the the field that they're going into if they want to be successful in the future and do the most good they need to have that range of public health they need to have that occupational health and safety the environmental health piece emergency management and and all of that so i know i'm rambling so um i love the course i chose at uh, capital tech it gives me freedom um it gives me um resources definitely maybe a little too much like crystal said a little too much freedom in a sense that um it's really hands off and i can appreciate what the other doctors said about a cohort and being together because there's a lot of power in that and i do feel alone but i'm not i'm i'm okay alone because i have you know i have a background in lots of connections so um, so I think that's, you know, that's where I'm at now. I, I'm due to get it. I'm in, in the writing phase still. I'm probably on spec to get my, uh, my PhD within probably a year and a half. And, uh, and I'm enjoying it, you know, so I'm not tortured, but I know, I know that you guys were, because I, I know how hard Indiana is and, and, uh, and I so appreciate that, but I'm really actually happy. So, yay. <laughs> Cool. That's great. Uh, great feedback. Um, Elgin, we haven't heard from you yet. Do you have any, any thoughts so far? In regards to, um, in regards to coursework, um, I think my colleagues kind of covered a, a real big base. Um, so I, I won't add too much, but I will say um, that one, I support what they said, but also two, um, I really want to emphasize the importance of um, looking outside of your program for um, skill development um, that could really benefit you in the long term. So um, I didn't mention it, but I'm also the director of environmental and occupational health and equity at the Blue Green Alliance. And essentially what I do is science policy work. And um, I, I think making sure that industrial hygienists understand um, how to at least read um, policy documents, um, you know, legal documents as well, um, is a really important skill that necessarily I didn't get from uh, the coursework, uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't go outside of it. So if you are at an institution that also has a law program, if you're at a doctorate level, you might be able to take courses in that, um, in that uh, law program. I'm not suggesting you go <laughs> to a law program, but um, it, you should um, consider the skill development and really understand um, the uh, the potential tra trajectory of where your career can go. Um, I, I think industrial hygienists and the general occupational safety and health um, practitioners uh, have a really unique insight that can be um, quite helpful uh, when it comes to policy development and implementation. So I'll just leave it there. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I certainly agree with a lot of the sentiments that that y'all have uh, said in the in the last several minutes is, you know, as far as having diversity and being able to adapt to different situations and being a, being able to um, understand different different functionalities, that's something we've seen on a you know huge level with the pandemic is, you know, in in the past you might have had people that do occupational safety and health. You know, then you'd have people to do emergency management and you have people to do healthcare. And as we've all seen, you know, that's that the lines have blurred between all of those. Um, there's very similar, very much similarity between a safety committee, an ICS, you know, and a 
in a healthcare triage unit, you know, so um, all of that's certainly um, certainly uh, part of the mix in the educational environment as well. So that's great, great feedback from everybody. Um, let's see, um, Dr. Whitlock, we haven't heard from you yet. Any, any thoughts so far? I, I don't think we're hearing you. You're on mute. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's the one. Uh, the, the one one thing that I would add is the IUP that that uh, I, know, I know other universities have that that cohort model for me was uh, a, a lifesaver. I still talk with uh, those students from that first cohort, you know, professionally. Um, you know, you'll have a class you do well in, someone else will not, and then it'll switch the next class around. So that cohort model, I, I would uh, tell pending students and future students to you know, look for that model. If they don't have it, find other students that you can uh, identify with and, and study with. Those late nights just go a lot better when you have other students to share uh, share the experience with. And that uh, IUP cohort model, I, I think is very beneficial for working students especially. Hey, Corey, can I add something coming from the opposite side? I was all by myself um, in a very specialized program but kind of like Marina, I, I enjoyed my independence of being on my own. Um, and because I was on my own in a highly specialized program at UT, I had a ton of support directly from my professors versus being a little more diluted in a cohort. So I would say, um, you know, to Joe's point, it's important to know also what kind of learner you are or what, what kind of environment you like to be in and select a program that, that fits you best based on whether you're a more independent learner or you really work better in a team. Yep, that's great feedback. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that too. You know, um, that was one of the things that um, I always remember from when we did our residencies was that um, there were some people that, you know, would myself included most of the time, to be honest, you know, we would, you know, get in front of our research and our computer and start working and just kind of go forward like that. And then you had a lot of people that they really thrive on, you know, having interpersonal communication and, and feedback and, um, you know, hearing other people's perspectives on things. And so, yeah, it's definitely a good thing to kind of um, know yourself and, and how you can how you can excel, you know, whether you, what type of environment you prefer to be in, and that might that might apply to the program as well, the program choice. So, great, great feedback. Um, any Corey, other? Can I just add one quick thing? Yeah, please. Just um, to, to Joe's point, because I was part of the first cohort also, and the one thing I think I liked is being able to go on campus for a couple weeks each year. And I will say, if you're going to be with a group of people, it was nice to be able to people face to face and get to know them and that added a lot to that program and and our professors because it added to me much more structure to our coursework and and knowing what we were doing and even you know putting a plate a, a face or, or a, a picture to the place we were we were doing so i think to me personally 
it added a lot and it added some more structure. So it goes back to what you what you said and, and what um, Dr. Mitchell said, it comes down to what's the best thing for you. And if you like to work with a group, then um, look closely at how that's gonna evolve too and how they've structured it. Yep, that's great, that's great. All right, well, cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and take the next step then. And, and hey, as hey, always- Do you mind if I, I jump in a bit? Please um, do. Yeah, you know, I'm hearing everybody discuss a lot of, you know, overlapping themes here. Uh, the main theme first, Professor Brock, it's, it's okay to be happy. <laughs> um, when I look back at my background, you know, I, I worked full-time at a construction company doing hazmat labor, going in confined spaces and such. And I needed a university to be flexible to students, right? I needed a university to not just get into it, but graduate from it. And I was lucky to find that in SUNY Downstate, you know, School of Public Health. They're very worker oriented, <laughs> not just in the occupational health program, but in the understanding of a student working. I also found an advisor in Dr. Paul Landsbergis, who was actually still is uh, fundamental to my growth. You know, having an advisor, having a mentor, someone there that's been through it to guide you uh, is, is fundamental. It's it's truly important. And when I think back of my coursework, I was lucky that it was able to start before COVID-19. Uh, so I had a mix of that face-to-face. -face. Unfortunately, we don't have that luxury right now. I wish I was face-to-face -face with everyone here right now. Uh, but if I think about the students who are going through it right now, going through their own coursework, coursework, excuse me, you know, coursework could be a trap. <laughs> it, it could be a trap because you could just get by, just skimming by, doing the bare minimum, uh, just getting the assignments in. But I think the more you put in, the more you'll get out of it. And, you know, I highly recommend students embrace the coursework because you know what? You're already pumped up on adrenaline anyway, entering a program, you might as well uh, just use it, channel it, Angie, because I can feel, you know, how difficult it can get towards the end. Uh, all of you could resonate that same feeling. So for students out there, when you get started, go with it. <laughs> go with that energy, you know. Yep, that's great, definitely. And, you know, it's interesting what you just said. This actually kind of segues us into the into the next piece about the the comps and the dissertation. It, speaking of the difference between the coursework environment and the dissertation environment, that's something that has always resonated with me. It is a conversation I had with somebody way back when I when I first started working on on in my doctoral journey. You know, uh, back in 2014. Um, they they had told me they said be cautious about complacency because you'll be going through your coursework and you kind of get into that groove of you know you read you study you write repeat you know and that goes on and then you kind of figure out this is how I pass my classes and this is what's expected of me and then when you get into the comps you you have the potential to get drop kicked you know if you get complacent is you turn in your comps and if you're all, if you're firing, you know, um, if you're not, you know, fully engaged, you know, you're kind of firing half empty, you, you know, you might get 
some some very blunt feedback. Um, and then, of course, same thing, I make it through the comps, you get to the dissertation, and uh, those first couple um, first couple uh, sets of notes you get, you know, on the, whether it's the research plan or or even the topic proposal, you know, you, it, it might be, whoa, you know, I was, I was getting a little comfortable and now I got kicked in the face, you know. So it is interesting, the difference between the coursework and the, the next steps when you get higher up on that ladder. Um, so let, let's kind of get, get into that a little bit. Um, so we can kind of take the, the, the comps next. Um, I'll just kind of open this up. Any, anybody have any, any thoughts about the, the comprehensive exams as far as um, the, um, the, the way it was conducted, the, um, how you went about doing it? Like I know in my case, I actually wrote my comms in a hotel room during Hurricane Harvey. Um, any any thoughts about the comprehensive exams? So Corey, uh, I'll I'll speak a little bit about my experience with the comps. Uh, to me, they were fairly they were easy to me. Uh, I, I think that the grueling work of IUP, especially those summer sessions, kind of forced forced you to understand what you were learning and the format of the courses when we work face to face. But in my case, what helped me to pass my comps with little or no effort, and I know Joe, uh, Fred, and Pam didn't have issues with theirs either. But at that time, I was also studying for my CSP. And um, CSP, and, and it was another one I was working on. But in addition to the schoolwork and studying for these uh, certifications, it's pretty much all the same information. Safety is safety. Um, statistics, of course, that 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 was difficult for me, but at the same time, it was so grueling at IUP in those semesters face to face in the statistics, it kind of force fed it to you um, and you didn't want to be left behind. So if you didn't understand what uh, the instructors were telling you at the time, which most of us didn't, uh, we left class to go to our rooms or go to offsite place to try to figure it out as a cohort. Um, I will be honest in saying the first week in our program, it was statistics. I may have slept five hours the whole time, and I'm not joking. Uh, maybe one hour of sleep a night after class, try to figure it out, go to sleep for about an hour, hour and a half, and then get back to it the next day. Uh, that forces you to understand or comprehend uh, the coursework. So for me, um, the, the complacency didn't sit in really with the comps cord it sat in more with the dissertation. Um, because as you said before, we were on a set schedule um, when it came to the online classes, right? Take a class on Tuesday and Thursday, turn in your uh, reports, turn in your uh, work on certain days, and you do that for semester and semester at a time. Then you finish. Then you finish with your comps. Now, it's your dissertation and you're no longer on campus to talk to those uh, professors or your cohort. So you're kind of on your own then. So if you're not disciplined um, in getting that dissertation done, it'll sneak up on you and get you. I am, I am like, I'm the poster child for that. Um, knocked out all my assignments, knocked out the comps, and I didn't take my dissertation serious enough. I did take it serious, but I had some setbacks too. Um, similar to Patricia, Dr. Pasha was on my committee. I had to start over. I got to the point where I was ready to defend and this, and I can't go into detail because it's political, uh, but I got to the end where every all of my um, research was done, paper was written, 
and I had to start from scratch because the source of my uh, data decided they didn't want to participate by, by current employee. So I had to stop, start from scratch, find another municipality that was willing to help, which I was able to find and start over. So the, the complacency plus being prepared for the unexpected, <laughs> you know, that's 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 the thing. But as for the comps, man, um, if you pay attention to the classwork, you're doing your work, uh, if you're not relying on others to help you out all the time, you'll be fine. But also what helped me was also studying for CSP, CRM, and all these other certifications that I have um, to build that. And one thing I wanted to mention uh, in the section before this, when you're choosing your program, so my wife is a PhD, she's a history professor, and she would ask me every day, why are you working on your PhD? And I would give her different answers every day, and it really didn't smell, smell, I mean, it didn't pass the sniff test for her. If you're going to get into a PhD pro program, you need to know why you're doing it. It's not a two-year program. It's not a three-year program. It's not a four-year program. If you go to seven years of uh, so it, it's a decision that you really have to take serious in why you are doing this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, when we got into IUP's program, it was designed to develop the next set of safety professionals to be professors in a university, if I, if I recall correctly, that was it. I'm not sure if that's still it. So we had a lot of coursework uh, geared around teaching, uh, instruction, instructional uh, type stuff, uh, but it touched on pretty much every aspect of uh, safety you can think of. The only thing that it didn't really touch on for me was risk management, and that's what I'm kind of getting into now. It intrigues me, and I see that that's where safety is going, it's going to a more evolved risk environment. Uh, the one thing I can also say about my program, uh, Corey, you live this every day with me, uh, we had a class on safety management systems. I don't know if Joe and Pam, Fred, if you remember that, but we had a class on safety management systems, ANSI Z10 and all that stuff. Prior to that class, I had no knowledge of it. I brought that back to my job. I sold it uh, to my director, uh, the mayor uh, eventually bought on on it. And to this day, we are actually in the process of implementing ANSI Z10. And that's all contributed to my studies at IUP. But please know what you're getting into. Uh, if you just want a PhD to have some letters behind your name, this is not it, buddy. <laughs> this is not it. No. So I'm sorry I kind of went uh, to the left corner, but to answer your question with the comps, you study hard, you prepare, you'll be fine. Just jumping in, I just wanted to say, well, actually in my program, like I said, it's a European model, it's just developing your dissertation, and one of the things I liked about that when I did speak to the dean prior to enrolling was that I wouldn't have to, like, that's what I would get to generate and um, having done a, a master's thesis. And, and one thing that was also present was he was very encouraging about what I wanted to do in the future. And I told him I'm interested in teaching. And he said, that's really great. And actually said when I graduate, he think about having a position because they really were keen on diversity there and um, having um professors you know um that you don't normally see or they don't they don't have of um of diverse nature so 
and um, and during the way, I'm actually preparing to um, do some teaching at UC Davis in construction, just to have you know something to develop coursework and to and develop myself. But yet, I, like you said, Stephen, I really looked at not just am I just doing this because I just want to have another alphabet soup or you know letter behind letters behind my name. It's, it has been like a lifelong dream to do it, but like you have to have that like motivation to ask to why. And so I, I keep asking myself when I look at what I'm going to have do on my, my dissertation on. Um, I really want to look at what had the disparity that's in our profession as far as um, women and people of color and safety achieving like what I've achieved, like getting to the consultant level or getting to even a CSP, like what gaps there are um, as far as STEM education for youth, because, you know, something like that. And I thought long and hard about what I'm going to do, you know, this construction, of course, there's all sorts of things in construction, you know, looking at this suicide rates of construction work, because I thought about what would really make an impact that hasn't been done before. And that's what's really driving me now, just looking at disparities and gaps in our profession that I can like lend something to a body of knowledge. So that's what I'm looking to focus on. And, and you know the funny thing, uh, I actually started my undergraduate in education. My mother and father are both uh, educators, both high school principals. Uh, mother passed away. Um, year three in education is when you do your student teaching. And that was the day that I changed my major. It's not for everybody. So when it wasn't advertised in IUP, but once we got on campus and they started explaining, hey, we want you to be the next professors, it's education. I'm like, no, nah, I don't I don't think this is what I want. But I had some friends, Pam was one of them that that and Fred taught me into staying. You know, I felt that I was out of place. This is not me. Um, I'm not fit for this. Um, so so yeah, um, know what your program is all about. Know what their goal is. So um, at that time, if I'm not mistaken, IUP was the first PhD program to kind of offer that flexibility of hybrid, face-to-face -face and online. Uh, so that's why I went there. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, if it wasn't hybrid, I wouldn't go because job, my job responsibilities were just too much at that time. Uh, and Corey could speak to that. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, as for why I wanted to do it, um, I always just wanted to up my wife born, but also up my, my parents. My parents always wanted me to have a higher education than them. And they were both masters plus 30 in education. It's like a master's plus almost a doctor. So my goal was to get the PhD, but also internally at my job, I felt that this is going to set me to the next level in my profession at the city of Houston, where I won't be a manager anymore. I can actually be a director and Corey can speak to that. But unfortunately in the public sector and maybe it's private also, leaders don't really look at what your education is. It's who you know, uh, what you've done to me lately. So you can have a PhD. We have several PhDs just on this floor right now and none of them are in the executive level. They all can do the job easily with ease, but that's not something that, that really promotes you in public sector. So that's why I did it. But the reason I stayed is because I have great friends in the program. Uh, you see you see three of them today. One of them, one couldn't make it, but they pushed me and told me every day, Stephen, you could do this, you can do this. And as I got into my research, I saw that as a purpose for it. Uh, mine is dealing with firefighter uh, 
cardiovascular risks and how to prevent those with workplace wellness programs if they work or if they don't work. Um, working firsthand with fire, the fire department in the city of Houston, we see the cancer claims go up, we see the uh, fatalities from heart attacks and whatnot, and those things can be prevented. Uh, so hopefully my studies could help further along uh, current studies in that in improving the uh, health and wellness of firefighters. So in the beginning, I really didn't have a reason. Now I have a reason to get my PhD, PhD finish it, and continue the uh, research after it's all done. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely everybody's uh, great feedback and uh, to totally concur. You know, it's uh, it's a heck of a lot of work to do it just for some bragging rights, you know, and, a, and a, some acronyms after the name. But, uh, you know, if, um, if if there's a bona fide purpose, you know, that you're that you're feeling for doing it, then it certainly adds a, another layer of motivation there. Um, so that kind of brings us to the next thing, you know, speaking of uh, a lot of work is the, the dissertation phase. And this is um, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation. You know, we have um, several on the panel that are finished, you know, they're, they're doctor. And then we have several that are that are working on it. Um, so you, you see on some people's names, it's got the um, PhDC, which is candidate, or ABD, which is all but dissertation. Um, so there's a number of ways to go about it. The big, the big difference is that you know when when people get to that point, then they finish the coursework and they finish the comps and they're writing the dissertation, and that's where it has the all but dissertation or or the C. Uh, then there's you know PhD, it's the whole thing's done and degree conferred. Um, that's one thing I. I'll, I'll actually I'll say it right here so that it's on the record and I, you know, I, I answer the question probably three times a week to be honest is why I have the the asterisk and the ABD is because that's that's why I uh, my dissertation is not not uh, confirmed it, it's written but um, long story you know like I said program got to continue the dissertation's written but I can't can't process it through the line so um, can't claim PhD but um, that's why that's there. Um, I, I answer that question about three times a week, so there we go. But um, you can certainly see that by the point uh, everybody's gotten to that that point where they're at the dissertation level or higher, it's uh, a heck of a lot of work to get there. So let's talk about that dissertation. A um, couple things about it, you know, you've got the um, you've got the methodology, whether it's quantitative or qualitative. You've got the actual topic. You've got the dissertation committee. You know, you've got uh, the institution review board. You've got all kinds of stuff going on there. So, um, you know, let's 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 just dive into it. Um, anybody want to want to start it off? Anybody have any thoughts about the dissertation process? Yeah, Corey, I'll, I'll jump off first. Uh, oh. So, you know, my dissertation topic was on evaluating a national opioids in the workplace training program. Uh, and I started actually as my field experience. It was right before the comprehensives. And, you know, during the comprehensives, they advise you, hey, don't do anything else. Just focus, focus on the exam. 
And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I, I took the field experience and I kept building it, uh, you know, knowing that the opioid crisis in this country is an epidemic and a disaster. It is a disaster, just to make that very clear. Uh, and I shared my, my some of my recent work that I've been doing on tank cleaners and risk perceptions with my advisor during my comprehensives. And he had, you know, spur of his own creation, shared it with some folks at NIH, uh, and it jogged their interest. So they reached out to me to consider piloting their program that they didn't know just yet if they were really where they were going to go with it. And we piloted in person back in the summer of 2019. Uh, this is pre-COVID, so it's you know face to face. It's it's around the country. We were with different unions like the United Steelworkers and different academic institutions like New England Consortium. And based on those findings and that evaluation using an immediate outcome evaluation, NIH you know funded my dissertation. So you could say uh, a combination of funding <laughs> as well as passion has a lot to do with what you decide your dissertation topic really is. And when it came down to the mythology, because I had a strong advisory panel, uh, which was easy to select because SUNY Downstate doesn't have a very big staff. There's only one occupational health person. So it wasn't rocket science to figure out my panel. Uh, we came together, came up with a mixed method methodology. And you know we initially continued wanting to do that in-person that in-person methodology, that in-person training. You know, many people defend that in-person is a higher level of effectiveness than you know these remote learning applications. And one week before we we got ready to launch, we were going to go down to Connecticut. Uh, that's when the COVID lockdowns had started, and we had to rapidly shift everything online, make everything all the programs online due to using a pre and post test, make that online, figure out how to make that work. And it, it may sound easy now because we're all so used to the Zoom. What are we using right now? Go-to meeting <laughs> lifestyle. But at that time, people were very uncomfortable using applications like that. People didn't have the technological savvy and comfort, and maybe didn't even have the literal broadband to go online, right? So there were a lot of challenges in addressing that and you may have an idea of what your dissertation is going to be before, but when it actually happens, that's when <laughs> that's when the topics really come out. We we ended up making the impacts of COVID and remote learning even part of the dissertation itself. So it's always good to keep an open mind in that dissertation process because you may think it's one thing, but when it's done, <laughs> it's a whole new experience. Corey, this is Amber. I kind of have a, an experience similar to Stevens. Um, it's the motivation to stick with it that I think is is the biggest problem I had with the whole process. Um, I got recruited straight out of my coursework to go work for a large corporation. I went out to California to go work for Johnson and Johnson, and I was making a really good living. I was traveling all around the world in my dissertation phase. So I just finished, we call it at Texas, a qualifying exam. So I had qualified to go into my dissertation phase and I had just lost motivation. I, I knew J&J &J wasn't going to pay me more. Um, I knew that, you know, I took my sweet time getting it done. The, the motivator to get it done was when 
Texas sent me an email and said, okay, we're going to drop you if you don't finish this and you'll be in the, you know, in the not finished ethos forever and ever. So that was a good motivator. But what, what made me go into the program is totally different. I think I was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 34 and I, I thought to myself, what is, what is something that I've always wanted to do that I haven't done? And it was to, to pursue a doctorate. Um, no one in my family had one. I came from a long line. Well, my, my grandfather was a physician, but nobody in my family had really gone that high into school. So I, Steve, I didn't want to one up my husband, but I wanted to one up myself. I wanted to challenge myself. So when I was in that dissertation phase in like year four, year five, year six, I thought, let me go back to the Amber that motivated her to do this in the first place and just to get it done. It is one of the greatest joys of your life, I will tell you, no matter what, is defending and then having your committee say, you're done. Um, it's, it's one of the greatest joys. And in all six years of the doctoral experience, um, that's the best moment, I would say, of one of the best moments of your life. So you need the passion to keep you going, but just remember as hard as it gets when you are at that singular moment, when you're at the end of your journey, it makes it all worth it. Corey, this is, this is Fred Straub. I just thought I'd add that the panelists are doing a great job of talking about persistence and such. And maybe somebody listening to this podcast is trying to make that determination whether they want to jump in or not. And it, to me, it boils down to the word grit. You've got to have grit if you're going to succeed in this program. Angela Duckworth has written a great book on grit. And I encourage uh, anyone pursuing a uh, PhD to read this book. She actually has a, a grit scale. You can scale yourself. And I'm telling you, if you don't score well, save your money and save your time. Uh, you're going to sit in that class on the first day and they're going to say, look to the right, look to the left. At the end of this program, somebody's not going to be there anymore. Uh, so, yes, uh, the, the, the dissertation, the defense is the most enjoyable part of the entire program. It is wonderful, but you have got to get, you have to have grit, you have to have perseverance to make it through. Uh, so, everybody's right on task. Corey, I want to add to what Fred said. It's Pam Hunter, if it's okay. Um, I, I, to I totally agree. And, you know, you think when you've done all of your research and you're getting towards the home stretch and, you, and you've gotten, you know, what you think is 90 or 95%, there's a lot of rewrites. I mean, this is a document that's getting published and your university is going to make it perfect. And so there are, um, every time I said I need another hour or two, thank heavens, my husband, he would laugh at one point. So what's an hour or two? You know, it could be 10 or 20. And, and I did love, in the end, I loved the process. I loved my work product. I love when the committee said, hey, you're an expert in this. Because by then it was. I knew a lot about it when I came in. I studied workplace violence in the healthcare environment. I live in Connecticut. I'm in the East with some other people. And we have a regulation for this. But I work with healthcare and social assistance. 
And my, my feeling was that maybe even though there was a regulation, we could do a lot more. And it was just, it was such an amazing process when you have hypothesis and things started to fall in line. And other things, there were things about it that surprised me, which was good too, though. And, and I think at the end of the day, the other thing that probably students going into programs don't realize, the growth in the program is not just about the classes or passing the classes. It's when you sit in the real world and are working and you realize that that epidemiology class you took five years ago is unfolding in front of you. And I'm not an industrial hygienist. I'm a general safety person. So, and, and different, another class was, we were, we were going through NFPA documents in, in emergency planning. And I felt really comfortable the next time I had to pull open a document and read and interpret it myself. And it was the confidence that you cannot realize you're going to gain. And Joe Whitlock said it too. And the, and the friends that you make that were really important. So you can't even put a price. I wanted my doctorate because it was a lifelong goal. Like some other folks have mentioned, no one in my family had a doctoral degree. And the irony is, I didn't know as much about the process, which was a plus minus because I just went into it and did my courses. And then the dissertation came. And that <laughs> went a lot. But if you go into it because you really want it and you're going to have the energy to go through the process, that's going to be a big thing that you need to get through it. Oh, another thing that you need is money, depending on if you're out of state. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> yes. The other thing is when you're married and you're a doctor and he's a mister, text, text, actually Miss Manners says that it should be the higher degree goes first. So it should be Dr. and Mr. Mitchell, but nobody does it that way. It confuses everybody. But I tell everybody, if you're going to mail me something, please do Dr. and Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, but my wife, my wife does that, so I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> That's why we had that competition. I want my name to go first. <laughs> you know, a lot of you guys, you you bring up great points about life. Life does go on while you have to do these doctorates, right? They're they're not going to take a pause. No one's going to wait four or five years for you to finish, you know? And I've seen a lot of students uh, struggle to balance work, life, and doctorates, <laughs> right? It's the, you have to balance three things, it's not two. And, you know, it could be really hard and, and emotional at times, you know? Like, I believe nearly, nearly half of all doctoral students don't even graduate. And a lot of it has to do with that mental health and that burnout and that that aspect, you know, students are also in a sense workers, right? Uh, and the goal is not to just go to class to learn a few things, it's also to graduate. <laughs> and if we, we want to get there, I hope students bear in mind, uh, grit's one way of putting it, I would put it as 
making sure you work on your mental health and your well-being and learning how to cope. Uh, this field, we, we sacrifice so much of ourselves to protect other people that sometimes we forget to protect ourselves. And I hope that anybody that's listening to here, before you get into that program, make sure you take that time now and always to, to reflect on your mental health and your well-being. Uh, have that total worker health perspective, you know? Agreed. Corey, Eric made a really point. We really should highlight it. Um, the, the one thing you have to remember if you're working full time and doing this, if you're working full time and then working on your dissertation, you got to fit exercise in because you have no choice but to sit with the dissertation process. It, <laughs> it, it, and it's grueling. Yes, I agree with what everyone has said and just um, putting in structures in place that give you the, the freedom to do that, to have that, you know, to have that balance. And um, it's taken me a long time <laughs> through life to realize that because I had it that structures like constrain you and all that and I want to be free to be but I have been you know, through leadership classes and um, personal development. And that's what allowed me to really apply myself and apply to the PhD program and, and just uh, succeed at this level. It's just putting, you know, having my calendar rule my life and putting in structures, you know, in place so that I can have that balance. So I appreciate what you said, uh, uh, Dr. Prasad, that yeah, really that's what it is right now, just having that balance and, um, you know, being able to balance your well-being and your family life and, you know, work, work health and like you said have that total worker um health mentality to do that and you know look at your um your um well-being and mental state so i agree with that that that's really what's getting me through is um having structures in place to have that happen a strategy plan for my life to have that happen i'm glad to hear that crystal <laughs> That, that brings up another thing. This is Amber again about who it is you're around. Um, so if you're not married or don't have a partner or somebody who's with you all the time, it's really difficult to stay focused when your friends want to go out all the time or when you're traveling on the road. So that's one of the things I think that is important. Whatever you decide to explore is that because this is so difficult and it's not difficult hard, it takes perseverance right i mean pam you said we shouldn't use that word but it's right it's perseverance it's grit it's mental health it's resilience that if you are in a, a social group or a community group of people that want you to go down another route there will be haters out there i'll tell you that'll say you know why are you doing this um so it is really really important just like crystal said too um, yes, the haters, the motivators. <laughs> That's so, oh, so per, you know, pertinent there. I had a good friend tell me, for those that don't support you, you need to eliminate them out your life. It's harsh, but you need to eliminate them. So um, aside from my wife, who's already gone through what I'm going through, um, I did have to eliminate a lot of people out of my life because this is a life goal. This is something that you know, I, 
I just have to get done. And if you're questioning why am I doing it or have always have something negative to say or taking time away from uh, allocated time that you know I'm doing my work, I, I, I can't be associated with you. So during the course of the dissertation process or the, the IUP process in general, I lost a lot of uh, associates because they they weren't they didn't have the same goals that I had, if that makes sense. So that's the thing. You surround yourself around people that, that are going to support you. Uh, Pam and I talk all the time. Um, Fred emailing from time to time and Joseph, but um, those that didn't support, and we had some in the program, um, and that may be another discussion for another day, Corey, but it's because you're a cohort doesn't mean that everyone is uh, supporting you. I hate to say it, it is what it is. So I was, uh, luckily enough, uh, I was able to have a support system at IUP and a support system at home uh, to get me to this point. Not done yet, but I, I have what I need. So just keep that in mind also. Um, you have haters before a PhD program, you will have many uh, haters during that program. And then from what I see, after you get your PhD, you have lots of friends, so be mindful of that. <laughs> and not, none of us have done this to get, you know, praise, right? We all did this for something yeah. that drives us, something that really means a lot to us, and you know, a person or a place or something that really is, you know, you don't just do this for fun, <laughs> and you definitely don't do it for praise and awards, right? Uh, most of yeah. our work, people go nameless, uh, but you're still going to do it, and that's what's really amazing. Realize I am running out of battery power and I had to move my location out of the upstairs office to downstairs. So <laughs> I'm going to have to click off here. I enjoyed the conversation and I hope it provided some insight or feedback for those who are interested in pursuing that avenue. And then my email is always in the, uh, ASSP directory and my phone number. So if anyone wants to reach out, call, email me by any means, I'm always open and willing to help or provide an ear to lend to hear about what's going on. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you all. Okay. Have a good evening. Bye bye. But yeah, speaking of which, we're we're at the at the last few minutes. So uh, I certainly appreciate everybody's input and feedback. It's really been outstanding. A lot of great perspectives and experiences and very helpful to people that are looking into all this. Um, so with all that being said, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap it up. We got, um, we got nine of us left on the, on the line. So let's do, um, how about, um, Let's go around the table, and if you want to give us your last 30, 45 seconds, your, la your last thoughts. Um, Dr. Mitchell, we'll start with you. What do you think? Corey, man, leading off two of the toughest questions. Um, <laughs> I would say pursuing this is a big deal. If it's in your heart, go with it and don't stop. Don't drop out, just finish and get it done and it will be one of the greatest joys of your life. 
Cool. Good words. All right. And Crystal, what do you think? I just want to say that, yes, I agree. This is one of my lifelong dreams. I uh, was the first person in my family to graduate from college from like a, a four-year go away, you know, live on campus university and, and to get my master's degree. And so for me, um, you know, this would just be and continues to be a, a dream that um, I, I know I'm going to achieve. I'm just speaking into existence and, and that I can just, um, as a professional, just add to the body of knowledge that's out there in this field and, and just uh, go on to add to others in teaching. And um, it's, just, it's just something that um, I know that um, I'm out to achieve. And I just encourage anyone who is out there listening that, you know, this is something that you want to do. Um, just speak into existence that you will, that it will occur and by your word and your promise that you'll get it done. Awesome. Yeah, great, great words. All right, cool. And uh, Dr. Straub, what do you think? with everybody here uh great 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 fodder for anybody that's going to be listening to this is thinking of going through the program or they're in the program now and they're uh not sure they want to continue or not uh i i've already said about a grit and and your determination uh i want to follow up on something that uh dr hunter said uh about an hour ago and that was uh when you are on your own doing your dissertation uh, do not let it slack off. I actually think Mr. Stephen Gilroy mentioned that also. Uh, I took a three-month break after the classes and thought, well, yeah, that was great. Uh, uh, I need to get my life together. I need to spend time with my kids. I need to yeah, don't do that. Don't don't do that. As soon as you are done with that class, you've got to get in there and get started on it. And I believe, at least at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, they have modified that where they get you on track getting portions of it done earlier in the program so it's not so much of a wow because picking it up again after you relax uh for a month or two or three or six or a year it, that's dangerous uh, but thanks everybody it was great great to serve with all of you thanks corey great thank you and yeah, great great words all right awesome and uh dr Prasad, what do you think yeah, you know, my first word of advice would be do not cut any corners because <laughs> they will come right back on you. You try to cut the corner, it just gets just makes a ladder that you have to climb. <laughs> you know, uh, I would also take advantage of the staff that you have there while you're there. You know, it doesn't have to just be publications, right? It could be working with them, working with different areas and groups. While I was at Downstate uh, during my coursework, I did. Uh, I worked with an infectious disease clinic for um, persons with HIV. And, you know, while I was there, that had a lot to do with my transitioning into working with COVID-19 and that basic understanding of infectious disease, uh, which I didn't think would be important, but then turned out to be. So it, it's good to expand your roots, not just with staff and the university, but even with the students that you have there. Uh, if you can imagine this panel right here, imagine having a class of this every week. You know, you, you can gain so much. All right, awesome, great words. All right, and Dr. Whitlock, what do you think? 
I think for anyone who's uh, looking at a PhD program, it's completely doable. Uh, I like my uh, my panelists who recommended making sure that you know maybe maybe you have a disclaimer where you warn your family, you warn your friends that you're going to be doing a long isolated pursuit of this PhD. So it means you're going to be taken away from those uh, family functions and those normal activities the rest of the world likes to do. And you know it's important. I think Stephen also said to make sure the people around you are are positive and promote that. Uh, long lonely pursuit but you still need kind encouraging words from family and friends and support group is important i think we talked about that extensively it's easy to get so mired in the isolated pursuit you forget to exercise you forget to eat properly you forget to be a normal human being while working full-time so make sure you do have a really uh receptive support group but also that you're capable of putting up uh barriers to study and isolate yourself in that pursuit but it, it's doable. Uh, I think uh, tenacity, will to succeed, perseverance, that, that's what you need. Cool, hey, great words, definitely true. All right, awesome. And uh, Marina, what are your thoughts? I'm, in, I'm still in the process um, and I'm enjoying it. I, I think for me, I, 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 I'm older, and so um, to me, I, I think don't be discouraged if you're older and it's still a lifelong pursuit or dream. Um, I, I believe in lifelong learning. Um, I believe actually the older you are, depending on your career, the easier the process is because you have life experience and you have a, a relative framework um, to draw from. I almost think it's easier to do a PhD. Uh, when you've been working in the field for many, many years than if you're very young. Um, I would encourage you, I think, I, you know, I think that a PhD for me uh, can provide me influence to be able to make the changes uh, that I, sorry about that, to be able to uh, be more influential to accomplish goals of I, I have always wanted to make the world a better place. So to me, uh, it gives me a little more credentialing to be more validated, even though I probably have the same credentials prior to that or the same abilities. Now I have credentials, you know? And so I think that that's important because it gives me, it allow me to continue teaching as a professor. It will allow me to be able to have influence over students and communities and things of that nature. So um, I think that's important too. It's not gonna get me more money. It's not gonna, you know, any of that. And tenure is not really that important at my age anyway but it will allow me to, um, to accomplish goals. And, and I think that's the most important uh, for me. And if that's something that you're interested in too, it will give you a boost to be able to make your, I guess your dreams come true in a way of how, what kind of legacy you wanna leave in the world. Um, and that is something that is important to me, you know, personally, so. Cool. Yeah, great, great thoughts, definitely. All right, awesome. And Dr. Hunter, what do you think? Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I like what some people have said about uh, that support group and the fact that you need that personal group besides if you have a cohort, those people that are there for you, family, friends, and, and you will find out who are your real supporters. This is not a short process. and 
There are many times where you have to say, no, I'm sorry, I have to work on this. And I found out who my cheerleaders were, who the people were gonna check in on me. Um, some of my family, um, my, my nephew was one of my, my great supporters and one of my best friends and my husband and, and Stephen. And the thing about this is that you need that group. You, you don't realize it as much because there's gonna be some days where you think, this is too hard. It's, it's, you know, it's draining my energy. And then you get to the other side finally. And that's what you have to remember. And remember that goal. If you went into it and, and we're safety people. So most of the people in our profession are doing this to help other people. And there is something to having been doing something your whole life and having these extra letters in front or behind your name that I deal with a lot of doctors and, and PhDs in my world and, and. All right, well, as you can see there, we had a little bit of a audio lapse at the end, but um, we appreciate everybody's time and knowledge and experience for that panel. Definitely a lot of great information there. So otherwise, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check out our podcast. Uh, we're now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So you can find us there with a simple search for ASSP HealthBeat. And then otherwise, uh, you can find us on Anchor, which is anchor.fm slash ASSP-HCPS-HealthBeat. So with that being said, uh, we hope to see you real soon. We have webinars coming up. We have February 25th. We'll be talking about empathy and safety. And that's a co-sponsor with the ergonomics practice specialty. And then we will also be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion on March 11th. So we hope to see you there. And everybody have a great day.